Typically, on Hume Sundays, we highlight some of the sermons that happened at Hume Lake. But today, we wanted to stay in our, um, in our passage, in our series of Hope in Hard Times. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. And actually, I believe this topic has more relevance to our students than we can shed on it. So 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but be an example to the flock. This is God's word. Let's pray one more time. Our Father, I pray that you would give us understanding for what we are going to read and study this morning. Please, Lord, help us to understand the heart of what a shepherd is and how you have called people to shepherd and pastor in this church. Please help us to understand so we can know and keep those accountable who are leading and teaching. And so we thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. By a show of hands, how many of you guys have ever interviewed for a job? Okay, great. This, we're off to a great start. Most of you guys have interviewed for a job. When I interviewed here at Crosspoint, before I was even allowed to preach to the youth group and meet the students, I had to go through five interviews. Now, let me tell you about these interviews. The first one was done by Pastor John Vo when he was here. Do you guys remember John Vo? He was awesome. I love him. I miss him. And I'm grateful that I still get to talk to him all the time. But he called me and said, uh, it was an easy interview. It was, hey, we got your application. Thank you for applying. Um, just want to know a little about yourself. Tell me who you are. Tell me about your family, what churches you've been at. Very simple, very, very short, very to the point. It was great. Then we get to the second interview, and it was a serious interview. Now, he had told me, you need about an hour and a half, and it ended up being two and a half hours. This interview was intense, and if you know John Vo, everything he does is intense. It was so hard. What he did was, he asked me everything about my theology. What did I believe about the end times? What did I believe about the church? What did I believe? He, he asked me every question. He drilled me with a million questions. And he asked me certain questions that you would ask in any interview. What would you do in this certain situation? How would you handle this conflict? What are some of the things that make you qualified for this job? And then... And then he goes, open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Read verses 1 through 8 one time, and now preach me a 10-minute sermon. <laughs> Just like, and so what I thought went, um, there's, a, there's a part in there, it's called, it says put on love. I was just like, I thought it went, um, yeah, yeah and then it, it, and put on love, uh, amen. That's what I thought it sounded like. Apparently, it went well enough to go on to the next interview. Now, the third interview was 
great. It was awesome because it was with Pastor Bruce. And if you know Pastor Bruce, like the moment he says hi, you're best friends. It's, it's, it's great. He was so disarming and wonderful, and we had great conversation, and he asked great questions about what it is we, uh, what it is they were looking for, and it was on Zoom because it was in the middle of the pandemic. The fourth interview, believe it or not, was actually the hardest. Yeah, even after John Vo's debacle. <laughs> the fourth interview was with all of the youth counselors. Now, let me share a testimony of the beauty and, and the just awesome people we have here. The youth counselors met with me for an hour and a half. We did so actually online again. And I thought this was going to be a knock, uh, uh, this was going to be hit out of the park. I thought it was going to be so easy. But these counselors who spend week in and week out with the students had so many questions and concerns for the lives of our students. They drilled me with the hardest questions. They made me think about what I do and why do I do them. They asked me so many good questions, and it was just over an hour long, and it was wonderful. A lot of the people are still in the room or were up here today who asked those questions, honest, deep, intense questions. And then the last interview was with the whole staff. And we met in this room in the worship center back in COVID time. So we were socially distanced in a circle in the back of the worship center. And it was wonderful. We got to talk. They asked me questions. And then we were able to move on. Now, they did this to vet who they were looking for. Some of us have been through similar process of interviews, right? We've all been interviewed for jobs. Some of you have had more intense interviews uh, than I had, although I doubt it with the whole John Vo thing. But some of you guys have had some pretty hard interviews, and some of you guys have had some easy interviews. Maybe you knew someone, you got a job. It, we've all been in this place, right? And what Peter does here is what he says is, I have a job description for someone in the life of the church, and that someone is what we call a pastor. It's like an interview where he says, if you're going to be the pastor of a local congregation, this is what I am looking for. He lays out for the church on what they should be looking at when they call someone to be a pastor. Now, being that this is Hume Sunday, you might think this is a weird topic to talk about. We're going to be talking about pastoral ministry, but we have students in the room, and I would argue that that is not the case. I am particularly passionate about two subjects. These are one of maybe six subjects that I give to students before they leave, and the two are, one of two are, that they know what kind of church that they should step into after high school. And the second is what kind of pastors they should be looking at. What kind of leaders they should be looking for. And in a sense, students in the room, young people in the room, one of the hardest things about youth ministry is that I get you for such a short amount of time. It's really hard and really wonderful to see you grow, to see God use you in the ways that he's going to use you. I'm now at the point where I've been doing youth ministry for so long where some of my students are having babies, and it's wonderful. But inevitably, you will lead a, leave us. And what you need to know is that what we're talking about today, the pastors we're talking about in Scripture, these are the kind of examples that you should be looking for in the church, wherever God places you in the future. 
Peter here in chapter 4 says we are going to suffer as Christians. Remember we've been talking about that. Pastor Bruce last week explained to us that we are going to suffer. It's inevitable for us. However, we can rejoice in this. We can rejoice in the fact that God will be with us in our trials. And odds are, because this is a letter, this was a letter written to a group of people who Peter calls the elect exiles, odds are that when this was read aloud in the congregation, what he did was pinpoint and spotlight a few people in the congregation who he's talking to. So far, he's been talking to everyone in a whole, and he says, I need to pinpoint for a moment the elders in the church. Now here, elders, shepherds, pastors will be used synonymous. And he says, I want to encourage those because I am one of the people who I'm talking to in the room. Look with me in verse 1. He says, so I exhort or encourage or charge the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ. He says, I have a word for you all. I have for those of you who are pastoring and leading. Now, Peter states clearly what pastors are supposed to do, but let me phrase it in a question. And the question is, what are pastors called to do? What are pastors called to do? Pastors are called to shepherd. Look with me in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, Peter here gives us this beautiful imagery of pastoral ministry. Pastoral ministry is supposed to be like shepherding. Now, this imagery is lost on us in our modern day, in our non-agrarian culture. Are there any shepherds in the room? Okay, I didn't think so. I didn't, that, that would have been a long shot. That would have been amazing. This is lost on us. We don't know what it's like to shepherd the way the people in the passage knew what shepherding was all about. Sheep, shepherds care for their sheep because sheep are delicate and defenseless animals. Shepherds make sure their sheep are fed. Shepherds care for their sheep. They protect their sheep in many ways. Shepherds protect the sheep from wolves that come and try to devour them. Shepherds protect sheep from even themselves from walking off a cliff. Shepherds defend the sheep. Shepherds make sure that the, that the sheep are fed. They tend to the sheep who are hurt and broken. Do you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Rob preached on, on Psalm 23 where he talked about the Lord being our shepherd. And in there, there's a line that says, he leads me beside still water. That analogy is a beautiful picture of how God takes care of us and feeds us. Let me, let me tell you how sheep are when it comes to water. When they go to water, if they go to a river that's going too fast, because they are fragile and delicate and defenseless, the current will take them down the river. They'll just take them and they'll go. If the water is too stale and stagnant because their immune system is so poor and weak, they will die from drinking that water. The water has to be perfectly temperatured, still but not too still, running but not too running. Do you see the care that we are called to have? Shepherds care for their sheep, and God is calling us to be shepherds. The pastors in the church, he calls to be shepherds. Look at what he says at the end of the statement. Here, here he says, 
Shepherd of the flock of God, that is among you. Peter in his wisdom tells us that shepherds are the one who God has placed among you. Now I'm afraid in our day and age that too many pastors are trying to shepherd the whole world through social media. But Peter here in his wisdom, probably anticipating Twitter 2,000 years later, said, no, you take care of your own congregation. You take care of the people who are in front of you. Peter is a local church guy. Peter understands that God has called people to shepherd a particular set of people. He says this, if you're going to be one, if you're going to be a shepherd, you shepherd God's people. You take care of them. You exercise pastoral care to them the way a shepherd cares for a sheep, but make sure it's the ones God has placed right in front of you. Maybe we need to take a step back and ask the question, what is a shepherd? And a shepherd is someone called by God to feed and care for God's people. Someone called by God to feed and care for God's people. This is the first and primary work of a shepherd. They are called to feed God's people with the word of God. Countless times in the Bible, we see the Bible being food or sustenance for us. And we are called to feed the church with the word of God. Now, this idea of shepherding doesn't come in a vacuum. It doesn't happen on its own. This is actually given to us by Jesus. This conviction that Peter has about shepherding was actually given to us by Jesus Christ himself before he ascended into heaven. I'm going to turn to John uh, John chapter 21, and you can turn there if you want in your Bibles. If not, I will read it to you. And there's this interaction between Peter and Jesus. This beautiful story, we don't have enough time to unpack everything, but in verse 15, he says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And this is Jesus' response. He says this. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he goes on to say, he said to him second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he says, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. A shepherd cares for God's people. Sometimes it will be in a setting like this where a pastor will shepherd by preaching the word of God to the congregation so that everyone hears and is fed by the word of God. Sometimes it will be in a counseling moment, an appointment where you guys are sitting and discussing and working through some of the issues that life brings. Sometimes it will be by way of hospital room in your darkest moments A shepherd will be there to feed you in your time of need. Sometimes it will be over a text message. Pastors are called to shepherd by feeding the truth of God's word. What does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? I want to talk about this point one more more time. They feed God's people. We just looked at that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says this. And he gave some, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, 
and teachers for what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So here's the idea of the Bible. The idea is that shepherds feed the people of God so that they can go out and fulfill the Great Commission. And that's to tell other people about Jesus, to make disciples, and to change the world for the sake of the gospel. We have the language backwards where we, who are in ministry, call it ministry. But what the Bible actually says is what you guys do day to day in your homes, when you interact with your children, when you are in your job, your employment, when you're playing whatever sport you play, that that is the work of the ministry. And that is done so that the body of Christ may be united and built up. That's what shepherds do. They feed the people of God. Now, why do we use Scripture? Why do we use the Bible? Why do we use the Word of God as the means to grow people or to feed people? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, All Scripture, this verse is powerful, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. Church, I don't know how to help you any more than giving you the word of God. And if we're honest, that's the best thing I can give you because the Bible says that's what it's for. It's profitable for teaching, for correction, for encouragement, for training that we may be equipped to do what God has called us to do. The second thing that shepherds are supposed to do is provide oversight. Look with me in verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. What Peter is saying here is that shepherds are to provide leadership to believers whom are under their care. Remember, this whole text, 1 Peter, is rooted in a time of suffering. The people are suffering in this letter. And when you lead in a time of suffering, it is hard and delicate and complicated yet pastors are called to do it. The best way I can describe it is we um, just experienced, the world just experienced something really difficult, the pandemic. And navigating those waters were so difficult. Do we open church? Do we close church? Do we, like all of those questions. Yet the pastors and leaders here They exercised oversight and did what we felt was best to do and led through that season with oversight. A lot of times people will come to us for questions and what to do about this, and this is where we provide oversight. We are called to shepherd God's people. Church, we are not entertainers. We are not event planners. We are called to shepherd and to pastor God's people. How does a pastor shepherd? Verse 2, it says this, Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not under compulsion, but willingly. It's a get-to, not a have-to. Pastoral ministry is not a get-to. 
It's not a have to, it's a get to, excuse me. I'm convinced when pastors view this as the burden of all burdens, their end is near. We must never take for granted for where God has placed us. And as leaders, we must lead, lead with willingness and eagerness to shepherd and care for the people God has placed in our care. I've shared with you guys that I had a season where I was out of ministry, a season where we moved from Ventura and moved back to LA. For two years, I got a normal job, worked IT at a hospital, and it was great. It was a great time off that our family needed. Now, where I got saved at was a mega church. It was a big church, 10,000 people, services on top of services. It was just everything had to be big. Now, getting saved into an environment like that, I thought that the only way church could be done is that it had to be done huge. And I felt the Lord calling me to pastoral ministry, and I'm going to be really honest with you guys right now. I felt like God was calling me to lead just, just a big church. I was so ambitious. I was so naive. I was just like, God is definitely calling me to do this when I get older. And as time went on, and I continued to pastor and as life does, it knocks the wind out of you and sometimes can make you hard-hearted. My pastoring started going from willingness to compulsion to I have to until the unthinkable happened and God took me out of ministry. Now, up until that point, I thought I had to be the starting pitcher. And the fact that I'm able to be in ministry again, I'm okay with being an outfielder. Put me in, coach, to center field. I hope and pray, and please pray for me and the other pastors, that we would never get to a place where we view any of this as I, get to, as I have to, but always willingly, eagerly serving the people of God. He goes on to say in verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge. The attitude towards shepherding God's people is not forceful. It's not bullying people in the name of the Lord. It's a very powerful thing when someone says, thus saith the Lord. But we must never take advantage of the stewardship that God has placed on us shepherds. We cannot serve domineering but in gentleness, in willingness, we must serve the congregation. We must serve the people of God. He goes on to say, as an example, verse 3, but being examples to the flock. Did you know that life and the holiness of a pastor really matters to the life of a congregation? The way a pastor lives and conducts themselves really matters to the life of of a congregation. You know what's interesting? In, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a whole list of what, a, what the qualifications for a pastor be. They must be good character, above reproach. They must lead their house well. All these things. And there's one thing that has to do with ability, and it's the ability to teach. Everything else is character. As a pastor, as a shepherd, you must be examples to the congregation. What's sad in our day and age is that most pastors are not trusted anymore. Would you agree with that? In the time we live, because so many people have taken advantage of the great stewardship God has given us, 
pastors are not trusted. Pastors have taken this verse and for shameful gain have elevated their lives. In many ways, they have taken advantage of the church and the place God has called them to. And we are called to be examples in how we live and how we act. Church, this is sobering. It says in James that let not many of you become preachers because we'll be held to a higher judgment. In another place, it says that pastors, shepherds, we will give an account for the souls God placed in our care. Sobering thought and how we live matters. Now, you must ask the question, why do we do it? With such a heavy weight, why do we do it? Make no mistakes, pastoral ministry is the best. Getting to celebrate and some of the things that we get to celebrate together like today is wonderful. Getting to be a part of your lives is wonderful. But also make no mistakes, it's difficult. It's a heavy weight. We're also, even though we're called for the good, we're also called for the worst. Why do we do it? Verse 4, he says this. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We do it for the glory of Christ. We do it for the glory of our chief shepherd. Please know that we are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd, and our aim is to give Jesus Christ glory so that he would be, that he would be treasured in the life of the people in the congregation we do that so that people may be forgiven of their sins, so that they can walk in wholeness, so that we may be see people get baptized like we did. We do it all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything we do, we do for the glory of Christ. And our motivation as shepherds can only be for the glory of Christ. The second reason we do it is for the love and maturity of believers for the love and maturity of believers. On my desk in my office, there's a picture frame, and I have this verse framed as a reminder of what I am called to do. Not only that, I've taped it on the front of my, my Bible so I don't forget, and it's this verse. It's this, Him we preach, Jesus we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul says, to this end I also labor, striving according to his work, which works in me mightily. Paul says it best. He says, the reason I do this is to love people and to see them brought to maturity in their faith. It's to see fathers step up in the lives of their family. It's to see moms strong and courageous in the lives of their kids. It's to see workers work well in their employment. It's to see sins be gone and dealt with and worked through and finding freedom and forgiveness in Jesus. It's to see people learning and living the word of God. That's why we do it. We do it out of love. This passage really does lay out for us the kind of pastor Jesus wants us to be, the shepherds he wants us to be in a congregation. On a really personal note, studying for this sermon was just a lot of fun. <laughs> and it was fun for a few different reasons. 
The biggest reason is because this felt like, this sermon really did felt like a love letter to my fellow shepherds. Day in and day out, I get to serve with the most incredible men who love and shepherd and feed the congregation so well and have done so for years and years and years. I get to labor and watch these guys labor in the word, visit your homes, your hospital rooms, teach you songs about life and God, grow with you in your hardest needs and in your best of times. I'm so grateful that God has called me to a congregation that has shepherds and pastors who lead like this. Amen? Church, we are called to find and live and keep accountable those God has called to shepherd. And my fellow shepherds in the room, we are called to lead and feed the church in this way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.